Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. Do you want to provide care to patients in a culturally competent way? Yes, I hope you do. It requires that you develop a level of understanding of what role you play in that process. Ask yourself, do you have a strong desire to become culturally competent? If so, this is the episode for you to listen to. In this episode, we're going to review some of the key terms that are associated with culture, as well as some of the models, the cultural competence models. And this will provide you with a framework of understanding and give you some goals associated with the models to help you avoid some of the traps when you are communicating with someone from a different culture. And we all have a different level of experience in this area. Some of us are more, have more practice, right? Have more practice with communicating with people from a different culture. And as an oral health care provider, you are going to really expose yourself to different cultures. So you want to be able to make sure that that doesn't become a barrier for you. You don't want to fall into stereotyping or overgeneralization. And you don't want to also overassume that you're already culturally competent, that there's not room for growth. So take a listen. As a student, one of the first steps in developing an understanding of cultural competence is to create a level of awareness. Are you aware of your own personal bias? What are your beliefs? What level of skill do you have to be able to conduct a cultural assessment in a way that is sensitive to the needs of the patient? What is your level of knowledge about different cultures around the world? How much experience do you have in this area? Answering these questions honestly will really give you an idea of where your baseline is so that you know how much growth and development you will need in order to develop some of these skills. You have to be mindful of your communication. And we're not just talking about verbal communication here. We're talking about your nonverbal communication, some of your body language. You wanna be able to look beyond the surface for some of these things. If these questions are hard for you to answer, simply answer this. How many face-to-face -face interactions have you had with people from other cultures, different from your culture? This question is a little more straightforward and direct to really help you gauge just where you are on the continuum of becoming culturally competent. The greater the number of exposures, in a cross-cultural situation, more likely the greater your baseline knowledge, your skills and experience are with people that have cultures that are different from yours. Now let's first go over some of the key terms associated with culture so that we can all have a baseline in which to build upon. Ethnicity 
represents our social group, which has geographic and cultural roots. Race refers to a population with shared physical characteristics. Subculture is a group of people with a culture that is different from a larger culture to which they belong. So an example of this would be maybe Gen X or Gen Z. That would be considered a subculture. Reframing is defined as the act of looking at someone from a different perspective, which can be seen as a method of increasing one's own knowledge of a given situation. This is something that should occur just from listening to this podcast. I'm hoping to reframe your concepts and ideas around cultural competence. Proxemics is defined as the amount of distance that people desire in order to maintain space between themselves and others during specific interactions. Now we're going to review the four categories associated with proxemics. Public spaces, social settings, personal spaces, and intimate circumstances. And these are definitely culturally intertwined. Ethnocentrism is defined as a belief that one's own culture is superior to those of other cultures. This can be developed due to a lack of cultural interchange or exposure. Lack of adapting to things and judging others based on one's own standards and values without consideration of others is looked upon as ethnocentrism. A stereotype is defined as a tendency to form a rigid and simplified impression of others based on incomplete or inadequate information about a culture, race, or a category of people. This is an oversimplification, right? And sometimes when you are using the definition as stereotype, you're making assumptions. So in order to be effective at making sure that you're not stereotyping, you want to communicate in a way where you're asking for clarification. So now that we've defined some of the basic key terms associated with culture, let's go back to proxemics and discuss a little more about that term. Proxemics as a social norm can vary greatly between cultures. And it's important for you to understand that proxemics as they relate to social norms to a given culture. And the reason for this is because of what we do by our nature. We are invading people's spaces. So let's define that space to develop a greater understanding of proxemics and how it relates to being culturally competent and providing culturally competent care and your ability to do that in a way that considers proxemics. Now, public spaces range between 12 and 25 feet. And this could be seen as the distance between, you know, a rock singer and the audience, between a team and the fans that are watching the team. Now, a social space ranges between four and 10 feet. And this is the distance between maybe people that you work with as at a meeting or business associates. It's also a common distance between strangers in a public setting. Like if you were to go to the beach and you would set up your chairs and umbrella, you would probably create a little bit of social space between you 
and the neighboring families. Now, personal space is between two and four feet, and this is a common distance among friends and family members. It can also be seen in a line where somebody is waiting for services or at the checkout line at the grocery store. So personal space is seen in those circumstances as normal. Now, intimate space ranges out to about a foot and it involves a high probability of touching. An example of this space is to whisper, to shake hands with someone or to hug. Now consider what the pandemic did to these spaces, individuals, groups and cultures were forced to reconsider space as it related to each and every one of their social interactions in every one of these categories. I know I had trouble at the grocery store going in one direction down specific aisles, never really gave it much thought before. And I was very much accustomed to standing closer together to people when I was at the checkout line. The little dots on the floor seemed abnormal to me because I had a social norm in my upbringing that my personal space was a certain distance. And this had been interjected by a new social requirement. And so think about the person who is feeling like things are a little awkward. Obviously, the pandemic, it was all of us who were feeling a little awkward because we were creating new rules that went against what our social norms had been defined as. But if you're taking that situation and trying to understand a little bit more about how that makes people feel, it feels a little uneasy. You feel a little disconnected, and you might not even understand the why behind why you feel disconnected. Obviously, when I was standing in line at the grocery store, I felt disconnected because I was so far away from the person in front of me. And sometimes conversations strike up. But we went through this pandemic and it definitely caused a shift in our understanding of proxemics as it relates to strangers and others. I want you to take your own personal experiences of proxemics and what happened during the pandemic for you and try to relate that to developing a greater understanding of how that experience made you feel and how that might make somebody feel who is from another culture or another background that has different defined social norms to their level of comfort around this topic. We use cultural competence models to help describe skills and the knowledge needed to be acquired and implemented. And models can also be used in order to evaluate the effectiveness of the acquisition of cultural competence skills. Cultural competence models most commonly focus their attention on students' self-exploration and the development of awareness, knowledge, and skills. So that personal growth, application of information, and reevaluation can just naturally occur. Now, the goals for all models associated with cultural competence is to build students' ability to value diversity, to conduct their own self-assessments, to properly manage the dynamics related to differences among people, and to acquire and institutionalize cultural knowledge. Students should expect a lot of themselves to adapt to the diversity and cultural context within the community that they are a part of and to continue to apply the strategies that are learned in the models to your own personal and professional lives 
That's my hope for you. I'm going to review two of the cultural competency models in this episode. Now, there are many more, but these two models provide entry-level tools in order for you to begin the process of developing cultural competence. We all begin with different experiences. Understanding these two models and implementing them will really help you begin the process of becoming self-aware of where you are on the continuum to allow you to develop the skills that you need in order to provide culturally competent care to your patients. The first model is the cultural competence education model. And this model is designed as a tool for developing the knowledge and skills that you will need as a healthcare professional in order to provide high quality care. In the education model, there are three interventions, self-exploration, also known as self-awareness, knowledge is the second intervention, and skills is the third intervention. These three main legs are affected by the perceptions, behaviors, and attitudes. Now, starting with self-exploration or self-awareness as the first leg of the model, developing an understanding of your own culture, and then working toward increasing your acceptance of others who have different values, beliefs, and attitudes is the goal of this leg of the education model. Now, the second leg of the model is knowledge. Remember the expression, knowledge is power? This holds true in this model. Realizing that one culture is not superior to another and also recognizing that there are similarities and differences among individuals and groups. Knowledge does help you perform your job in a culturally competent way. The third leg of this model is skills. As an individual, you should work to master the skills and strategies to effectively communicate and interact with people from different cultures and seek to learn more information about various cultures to which you do not have a knowledge or understanding or a baseline. You want to constantly use a growth mindset in this category to continue to learn, evolve, and grow. Now, the other model focuses around communication, and there's lots of models that combine communication with cross-cultural encounters. So the model I'm going to review is the LEARN model. The LEARN model provides us as healthcare providers with a framework for effective communication with someone who is from a culture other than ours. Now, the LEARN model is an acronym, which I love acronyms. And each one of the five parts of the model stems from a letter. So learn and listen, explain, acknowledge, recommend, and negotiate. So let's see what each one of these looks like. So the learn model L, listen. Listen with empathy and consideration to the patient's perception of whatever problem is going on for your patient. You'll find that if you start by listening you can quickly develop an understanding of your patient's perceptions. Explain is the E component of this model. Only after listening to your patient, you can explain your perception of the problem. Oftentimes we do not do these in the right order. When providing patient-centered, culturally competent care, 
listen must come before explain. The next piece of the learn model is A, acknowledge. Acknowledge and discuss the similarities and the differences between you and your patient's perceptions. And really be open during this step. Treatment has to be based on the conversation. And you want to be sure that there's an acknowledgement, especially if there are differences. There might be a barrier to understanding, and you will find that out in this leg of the model. R is recommend. You want to recommend treatment based on the conversation that you have through the model. N is the last leg of the learn model, and it is negotiate. You want to develop an agreement with an awareness of the commonly held medical beliefs and the behaviors within the patient's culture. So your negotiation has to be sensitive to the desires, wants, and needs of your patient. Remember that when you are communicating with your patient that it is a partnership. You want to avoid being judgmental and seek to understand your patient's point of view without making assumptions about why your patient feels this way. Keep in mind that your patient came to you for help and they should feel empathy and consideration for their feelings at all times during the appointment. Try to recognize the barriers to care that may be present for your patient and keep in mind that you need to remain flexible with regard to your role in their care. Remind your patient that you are there to help them and work together with them and maybe some of their family members if needed to address health issues. When you are providing culturally competent care, it's important that you respect your patient's cultures and beliefs. Recognize when your communication may not be working with a patient and reevaluate yourself for bias. And this should be repeated often. The only way to improve is through self-reflection, right? So that first model, when we go back to the first model, the education model, you want to implement that model so that you are continuing to grow and evolve and improve in your cultural competence. Some conversation tips for you when you are working with a patient who has a different culture than yours is to develop some advanced knowledge about your patient. Gather as much information as you can so that you are best prepared when you encounter your patient. Always move forward with respect. Ask a third party for a mediation if there's a language barrier and make sure that you're avoiding criticism, especially in a public setting. Always face your patient when you are speaking to them. They may not be, 
there may be breaks in understanding, especially if you do not make eye contact. And remember those proxemics, you wanna keep a comfortable distance so that your patient doesn't feel uncomfortable. Listen actively, listen and ask questions in order to assess your patient's term for illness as well as what they believe is causing the problems. Sometimes you can learn a lot just by listening. And building trust goes a long way. Knowing that building trust takes time, you will learn that as you prepare and plan and listen, this will be a natural process to develop trust over time to have a good relationship with the patient. You also want your sentences to be shorter, clearly stated, and slower than how you would normally talk. The other thing to keep in mind is that you're usually behind a mask. So not only is there sometimes a language barrier, sometimes people need to see our facial expressions in order to put the pieces together about what we're actually saying. You also wanna make sure that you are not using analogies or slang that are specific because that you may lose your patient in the process of trying to understand that. You also want to take a moment and pause as you deliver information to be sure you do a check-in to make sure that the patient is understanding and translating accurately what you're saying. This can be really hard, this conversation tip allow time for responses and develop paraphrasing skills. Sometimes we get a little long-winded. So how can you be clear and concise and still get your point across and deliver all the information? That's a good challenge for you. So how do you learn about someone's el someone else's culture? How do you learn about other people's culture? You can specifically ask them, tell me about your culture. What languages are spoken daily in your home? What do you think may be the reason that you have these symptoms? You wanna understand their perceptions and beliefs. What do friends, family, and others say about these problems or symptoms? Have you tried any measures to improve your condition? What do you hope I will be able to do for you today? How do you think I can help you? Tell me about your culture. What language is routinely spoken in your home? What do you hope to achieve today from our visit together? What do you think might be causing the problem that you have? These are great questions that you can ask your patient to develop an understanding of their beliefs. Thanks for listening today. I hope this episode provided you with information that helps you on your journey delivering care in a competent way. In the next episode, we will be discussing special needs populations and specifically pregnant women. I hope you join me.
I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast. Thank you.